0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 46 of the Early Parenting Podcast. In today's episode, I had the opportunity to interview the beautiful Laura Kalia, who is better known as Physio Laura. Laura is a women's health physiotherapist and she's the founder of the Pregnancy Posse, her online membership. Her jam is all about helping women to have a wonderful pregnancy and postpartum experience. Today's interview, we were able to do a little bit of a frequently asked question and answer sort of style interview. I had put a sticker on my Instagram and I got to ask all my beautiful followers what they wanted to hear about from a women's health physio. And so that's exactly what Laura and I have done today. So I really hope you enjoy this interview. Let's dive in. Welcome to the Early Parenting Podcast, where we help you navigate the somewhat tricky world of parenthood so you can love the crap out of being a mama. I'm your host, Jen Butler, and I'm an early parenting consultant and a mama of two busy, busy boys. Join me as I explore all things early parenting and deliver them to you in toddler-friendly, bite-sized lessons Because let's be honest, your toddler is probably smothering pseudo cream on the wall as we speak. I'll be dropping my hottest tips on baby and toddler sleep, feeding, boobs, behaviour and so much more. Are you ready to feel confident in motherhood? Let's dive in. Welcome to the Early Parenting Podcast, Laura. (laughs) Hello. Hello. So good to have you here today.
1: Thank you so much for
0: having me. I thought that we would kick off by you doing a little bit of an introduction and let us know who you
1: are and what you're all about. So I'm Laura, I am a mum to two little guys. I've got Mussey who is two and Pia who is six months. And I'm a women's health physiotherapist. I run the online membership program, The Pregnancy Posse. And I run that with my husband as well, J.A. I should mention him. That's important. Shout out <laughs> uh, to J.A. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, that's me in a nutshell. I've started surfing this year, so that's like a fun new hobby now that we live on the surf coast. And I love coffee. That's important too.
0: <laughs> oh, coffee. Like, I know that this is going to sound crazy, but when I first wake up in the morning, the thing that makes me the happiest is the thought of having my morning coffee. Here, but, here. And seeing my <laughs> children and see my But man, that coffee is just exciting. <laughs> oh,
1: yes. I, I used to always say, um, I don't know how women with newborns don't drink coffee because that was what would get me through the 2 a.m. wake-ups. So I would think, okay, there's four hours until I can have a cup of coffee. It's going to be okay. <laughs> oh
0: I agree so much. And I remember, you know, in pregnancy where there's that, like, do you have coffee, do you not? And I remember just being like, like probably with Max when you're super – good I say in inverted commas about that thing I swear that every pregnancy you just get a little bit more lax and in the end you're just like with poor Ted I still swear that the reason this kid came out he's my little crazy boy and it's probably because I over caffeinated him (laughs) my bad (laughs) worth it oh oh my god totally worth it totally worth it Today we're going to be doing a bit of a different um, approach to the interview because what I did is I popped up on my Instagram a question sticker to ask my audience about what they wanted to hear from you today, Laura. Because I see you specialising in women's health, pelvic floor physio. We've all got those burning questions, and I bet you these. I bet you the questions that we go through are like your. Frequently asked questions, but I'm excited to jump into it. So, I thought that what we do is the questions that were put out there, I'll ask them to you, and you can give us a little bit of a download and what your professional opinion is on all of the above. Sounds good. So, we had one question from a mum, and what she asked was what ab exercises are good and recommended in pregnancy. So, she wants to keep a core as strong as possible throughout pregnancy, but you know, in a way that's not going to damage her core and her abs. So what advice can you give our lovely mums?
1: Yes, good question. And yes, this is definitely an FAQ that I answer a lot. I think I've done probably three Q&A sessions inside the Pregnancy Posse on this. Mm -hmm. So I think it is a little bit of a myth that we need to keep our core super strong and super tight during pregnancy with specific core exercises. So my motto on core exercises is that we don't actually need to do specific core exercises during pregnancy in terms of planks and sit-ups and things that we would think of as traditional core exercises. What we need to do is practice good posture, make sure we keep ourselves strong and conditioned all around. We don't need to target our core specifically because our core is always working, if that makes sense. So if we're doing a squat or if we're doing a bicep curl or a shoulder press or we're using our core, it's just different to how we would think because Often when we're doing core exercise at the gym, we're trying to tone our core, which is not really what we're aiming to do during pregnancy. So my um, guidance is that core exercises will be enough if you just practice good posture and good form while you're doing your other exercises. So your your functional movements. However, if you do want to do some sort of specific core exercise, what I do recommend are things like pelvic tilts, which are just really gentle. It's very hard to describe this via podcast, but... Um, I've got loads of videos on my Instagram or inside the posse, but they're just like little tucks of your pelvis, So really gentle core exercise. Side plank in the early days in pregnancy is okay. And things like chariot pulls are also really good. They're, they're sort of the three specific core exercise I would recommend. But outside of that, things... Traditionally that we think about like planks or mountain climbers or Russian twists or sit-ups They're actually a no-go zone for pregnancy So what we need to be mindful of is that abdominal muscles are stretching during pregnancy So when we try and do a sit-up or a plank or we're overloading an already stretched area and that can contribute to an increased abdominal separation or a diastasis recti and we we certainly don't want to overload that area It's already under enough strain. So that's why I'm saying it needs to be very gentle side plank in the early days only, pelvic tilts or chariot pulls. But otherwise, it's just about practicing good posture. So making sure when you're squatting, when you're doing some arm exercises, that you're not just hanging your hips forward, that you're holding yourself in good upright posture, that you're gently tucking in your lower core. That is enough core exercise during pregnancy.
0: I'm not pregnant at the moment, but I have been doing a lot of weight work and like being really conscious of holding that, core when you're squatting you sort of I'm feeling it like when you really focus on holding yes. that I'm like damn my yeah. core
1: good <laughs> work out here so that's, that's really good it's to a- know Yes, it's all about form and technique because mm. you are using, anytime you lift a weight, you're using your core. Mm. Even if it's a specific upper body or lower body exercise, you are using your core. It's the middle trunk. It's what keeps everything going. Mm. So, yeah. So I think that's really good to clear up because a lot of pregnant women feel like, oh, I've got to keep my core so strong during pregnancy. And I guess in a sense, yes, you do need to be strong because if you've got nothing holding you up, you're going to get low back pain, potentially pelvic mm. floor issues, but it's a more subtle, variation to what we're probably
0: used to i love that and that is like if you can take one thing is just to hold that form like that is going to be that's a huge relief probably too off a lot of people's back pardon the pun (laughs) but (laughs) but, you know that's going to help to yeah just take the pressure off being like i need to sit down and do my ab exercises no you just need to be conscious of what you're doing while you move correct Thank you for that, Laura. So another question that we had is in relation to, I guess, support again of the core throughout pregnancy and postpartum, this one is too, but a mum wanted to know the benefits of belly wraps or those, you know, SRC supportive shorts and what your recommendations are around the use of those in pregnancy and postnatal.
1: So I love abdominal compression garments. I think they are godsends, particularly for women who are having back pain. I think they're really, really helpful. So I think they're really helpful during pregnancy. Like I said, for people who are feeling really heavy in the tummy or having low back pain, or just feel like they need a little bit more support around the middle. Rib pain as well, often abdominal compression will help with rib pain. And then postpartum, I recommend Everyone wear some sort of compression for the first six weeks because it can be so helpful at improving abdominal separation Helping to keep you supported while your tummy muscles are getting back together So that you don't get back pain and we know as new mums There's a lot of lifting bending twisting feeding like you're in awful positions a lot of the day So it's good to have some sort of support around your middle while you are doing that now um, There are so many brands on the market. There's so many options. I get asked this question all the time time and like I am not affiliated with anyone I just give my recommendations from what I know I love Tubi group which is just like the most basic abdominal compression you can get normally you can get it from your hospital or your local physio center you can buy it online too and it's just like a big cream bandage it doesn't look pretty but it can stretch so it's really good because you can wear it in pregnancy and then you can wear the same Bandage after birth as well. So, I personally have worn that in both my pregnancies. I find it really comfortable and it's cheap. So, I think that's always a good option for women. You don't have to fork out hundreds of dollars to mm-hmm. get the same effect. Now, you then also have your brands like SRC, Soladea, Active Truth, Lenny Rose Active, um, 2XU have some, like, there's so many options out there. I would say to women, I personally don't think that one brand is superior to another when it comes to true compression. It would just be about like what suits you most. So do you like their style? Can you afford that? Do you want shorts or leggings or do you just want abdominal compression? So for example, I don't wear the shorts or leggings after birth purely because I live in activewear all day long. So I wear leggings already. I'm not going to wear compression shorts under. Active wear, tights, because that's so much. So that's why I wear tubi group because it feels a little less claustrophobic. But that's just my personal preference. So many women, if you wear skirts or jeans, or you will find the shorts really comfortable. So I don't have a preference. I just do think that wearing some sort of compression is really important for the first six weeks after birth and in the late stages of pregnancy if you feel like you need the extra support. You can continue to wear it after six weeks if you feel like you need that extra support, but definitely for the first six weeks. Now, one exception to that rule is if you're wearing abdominal compression after birth, but it is making you feel heavier in the vagina, potentially worsening any prolapse symptoms you might have if you have them, it's not going to be appropriate for you. So in a small portion of the population, having that extra compression around the middle Puts pressure down on their pelvic floor. And if you're already weak and vulnerable in that area, feeling like you've got a lump, a bulge, a heaviness, a dragging sensation, if it's making that worse, compression's not going to be for you. Definitely go check in with your pelvic floor physio because if you're feeling those symptoms, the benefits of compression are not going to outweigh the risks of that downward pressure on your pelvic floor.
0: That's really good advice and probably something that people don't realize because you think that it's supportive in the pelvic floor too, but in fact, that makes sense, doesn't it? If it's putting that pressure downwards or inwards, yes. that, that pressure's got to go somewhere. So. Yes.
1: Yeah. So that's and just like that. something to keep an eye out for. It doesn't happen for everyone, but for some people it will. And, yeah, it won't be appropriate for those women.
0: And I love that what you said, like, you know, make it suit your lifestyle depending on what you wear. I had the SRC shorts. I guess that's just the brand that at the time I thought was what you needed to use. Yes, walk around these ha- the house like in these hideous like <laughs> they're not exactly attractive like <laughs> and so i'm walking around with these and like if i'd guess come as I, i'd put on another layer of something it really it's too much like yeah. thank Especially god my boys were summer. both winter babies <laughs> oh, yes.
1: yes and that's why i think that's my ethos for anything pre and postnatal is just like it has to work for you as well so there is no perfect you don't have to do that exact thing maybe except for public floor exercises but even then there's probably exception to those rules but another option actually I didn't mention before is for some women if you don't have a overly big abdominal separation you don't have a lot of symptoms with it when it comes to back pain or pelvic floor issues but you just want a bit of a hug after birth body shapewear so go to Kmart go to Target get a $20 pair of body shapewear that comes up all the way over your tummy that's good enough for a lot of women. So that's another option too, which again is not gonna break the bank or make you feel like pressure to have to do it a certain way, just getting some sort of, you know, hug around the tummy is how I imagine it.
0: Mm, That's great advice. And that's like, yeah, like not everyone needs that super um, restrictive or supportive, supportive wear. So that's awesome. All right, next question. How does a woman know if her ab separation has healed? This is something I'm quite intrigued with too, to be honest.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's a good question too. A lot of women think that an ab separation is healed when there is zero centimeter gap in the midline. Now, anatomically, that is impossible because what it is is it's where your two rectus muscles, your six pack muscles, meet. Now, when anything meets together, there's going to be some sort of gap in between because it's not one continuous thing. You know, there is two sides meeting together. No one has a zero centimeter gap. There is always a slight separation between the abdominal muscles. It increases during pregnancy. What's good to know is 100% of women at the end of their pregnancy will have an abdominal separation so a lot of women think that it's a bad thing if you get abdominal separation it's actually normal it's physiological your abs need to expand to accommodate the baby what's not normal is when you start to get associated low back pain or pelvic floor issues when you're getting a bulging or a doming in the middle of your tummy it kind of looks like a Toblerone peeking out through the center or if you're getting any issues with umbilical hernias or things like that so they they're not normal Generally speaking, if your separation is less than two fingers wide, that was always considered to be normal. However, now we know that it's not just about the width of your separation. It's also about the depth and it's also about the function. For example, not this is probably a topic for a whole other day, but I'll give you a quick overview. If you have a two finger separation, but it's very deep, i.e. when you push into it, you could probably push all the way through to your spine. Like it feels super squishy, super soft. And every time you know you get up off the couch, it bulges and you get that Toblerone look. That would suggest to me that your separation has not healed completely and you still have a little bit of work to do to keep that core functioning well. On the flip side, some women have three and a half finger separations, which technically we didn't use to consider normal, but it might be very shallow. So you can't push your fingers too far into it. And she might be able to do all her functional movements and her exercise with no bulging, no back pain, no pelvic floor issues. In my books, if she's got all those other boxes ticked, but yes, it is still three fingers wide, I would say that that's pretty much healed. So for Mm -hmm. some women, those separations may not come back together two, two fingers, but if they've got good function, no pelvic floor or back pain issues, no bulging or toblerone sort of look, then that's really a good result. So that's what we're looking at, width, depth, and function.
0: That is really fascinating because even as a midwife, like we used to... Like, not that we were ever really properly trained in the fun. Like, you know, you do this three finger, two finger check, but really what was the use of me having that knowledge when we do not didn't actually know the impact of that? Like mm. what you're saying is it's irrelevant. It's the functionality and it's the depth and, and without that training and that assessment, really not a, a woman wouldn't, it'd be hard for someone to perhaps just go, Oh, I'm going to have a feel like I'm going to so test this after this interview yeah. and have a little feel yeah, but yeah I've always been really worried myself. I get a big tummy in pregnancy and I was always like, "Oh, I'm just always going to have, you know, like ab issues." But
1: Yes. You know, yeah, let me know how you go. I was going to say <laughs> do an online consult. It
0: feels functional, but I'm yes. Yeah.
1: And I think another important thing to say, you mentioned this with the midwife checking. Most women get checked in hospital like day 2 postpartum. What's also good to keep in mind, because I get a lot of women you know, knocking at my virtual door saying, Laura, I've got a three finger separation. I had my baby three days ago, I'm freaking out. It is so normal to still have a separation. It doesn't go away day one, like at all. So the first six weeks, six to eight weeks, there will be spontaneous recovery of that separation as everything returns to its normal place and its normal size. So if at six to eight weeks, there is still a significant issue with your tummy, then yes, definitely there needs to be some rehab happening. but also keep in mind, like I said, it's, it's physiologically normal. So if you are getting checked in hospital and someone tells you you have a separation, don't freak out. Like, yes, inform yourself, speak to your physio, go and start on some rehab, but just remind yourself it is normal. Like your abs have just been stretched for 40 weeks. They're not going to come back to nothing within a day. So I think that's really good to note
0: as well. Mm, That's awesome. And like a little side note to that, is there an expectation when there's a natural, you know, healing, I guess, does it always require a level of rehab? What point does the abs actually come together themselves in a natural way? And like, when, when does that sort of happen? When can women expect for that to happen?
1: Yeah, that is a good question. Super variable, but yes, six to eight weeks is that spontaneous recovery. So that will be happening. I guess, if you weren't to do anything to increase that. But I think it's important for all women to do some level of pelvic floor and core rehab after birth, whether you have a separation or not, because those muscles have been stretched. So I think it's probably more important if you have a separation that's not working very well and your function of your core is not so great, you need to put a little bit more attention into it. But I do think all women should be doing some basic core and pelvic floor rehab.
0: Makes complete sense. Like that, those muscles have been under so much stress. and. Yes we need to look after them to like, especially with subsequent pregnancies. It's if you don't do some level of rehab, it's just going to mat. Like I, and I can vouch for this pregnancy. Number one was quite fit going into didn't really bother getting very fit in between Max and Ted and Ted's pregnancy was so much harder on me. I had pubic symphysis pain so much earlier, like pretty debilitating, you know, I could go on and I am certain that that came down to my lack of fitness and rehab. in between the boys.
1: Yes, and I think often... Like you don't feel the symptoms, let's say you're six months post, you haven't done much core or pelvic floor rehab, but you feel good enough. And Mm -hmm. it's not until you have another pregnancy or you want to decide, you know, you want to start running again, or you're up the level that you're asking your body to match. And all of a sudden your body's going, hang on, I'm not strong enough for that. So that's why I think it's really good to remind women that even if you don't feel symptomatic, even if you don't have leakage, you don't have back pain, you still need to do some form of rehab after birth to match back up to where you were pre-pregnancy
0: yeah absolutely because that's it you sort of think i'll be okay and then
1: (laughs) it's too late when you're pregnant
0: (laughs) amazing all right so our next question we are sort of moving on to a few pelvic floor questions here so the question that i'll ask next is should i avoid pelvic floor exercises in pregnancy as i've been told it will prevent me being able to push my baby out if it's too strong (laughs) If you could see Laura right now, she's like, uh, shaking her head.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't know where this myth originated, but... I want to clear it up. That's for sure. So no. So doing pelvic floor exercises during pregnancy is not going to hamper your ability to push your baby out. So a strong and healthy pelvic floor is actually going to encourage a good labor and a good pushing phase because you have really good awareness of those muscles, which is super important for birth. So where I think that myth might've come from is that if you have overactive pelvic floor muscles, which are not healthy and strong muscles, they're muscles that are too tense and too tight and can't relax properly. And unfortunately, we're seeing a lot more women with this condition these days whether it be because we're a bit more stressed and anxious and then we're tensing our pelvic floors or I'm not sure why but we are seeing a lot more women if you have an overactive pelvic floor yes this could potentially influence your birth in that you can't relax your muscles very well which is not a good situation but generally speaking if you've got a good pelvic floor technique you know how to relax it properly exercising it during pregnancy should very much be encouraged so Signs of an overactive pelvic floor for those women listening to this going, oh, I'm not sure, like maybe do I have one? Painful sex, trouble inserting tampons or having pap smears, incontinence can still be a sign of an overactive pelvic floor, urgency, needing to rush to the toilet, um, often having troubles emptying your bladder or your bowels, or UTIs, recurrent UTIs. Um, They're probably the main things to keep an eye out. You'll know if there's something in the back of your mind when I say this to go, oh, I wonder if I am too tense down there if I don't relax properly. Go and see your pelvic floor physio because, yes, that can potentially um, hamper your ability to have a good labor and birth if your muscles are super switched on and you don't know how to relax them. But generally speaking, like I said, if you have good pelvic floor technique, it is encouraged to do pelvic floor exercises during pregnancy. It's not one of those things to just wait until you've had your baby. It is very much something to start on. Now, I think even pre-pregnancy, we should have really good awareness of our pelvic floor. I was going to say that because I think there's this
0: misconception that we should only ever be doing our pelvic floors potentially post-birth, I think there's, which we've obviously just eradicated that myth, but also just like outside of, you know, like let's say I'd theoretically, I'm, at, I'm now three years post having a baby, but I should still be doing them, shouldn't I?
1: My motto with it is, For the first year postpartum, I think you should do some sort of structured pelvic floor program, i.e two to three times a day, squeezing those muscles and having a proper routine. If you have no symptoms a year postpartum, everything's going well, I don't necessarily think you need to do like the traditional Kegel style exercises because you are like the core we were talking about before, you are using your pelvic floor functionally during the day. So when you are running and jumping and squatting and your pelvic floor is active, it's not like it's a dead muscle that's not working. So I don't necessarily think you have to do the, the, the squeeze, contract, relax, squeeze, relax but I think it's just about having the awareness of those muscles. So just knowing how to use them, how to turn them on, how to relax them. But yeah, I think a year postpartum, if you're still having issues, like if you can't jump on the trampoline with your kids, yeah, you probably should still do a structured pelvic floor program. But if you mm. have absolutely no problems at all, I don't think it needs, it needs to be, it's certainly, you can still do it. I think sometimes mm. it's good just to get into the habit of doing it. Mm. If you then have another baby or whatnot, but, um, yeah that, that's sort of my motto on pelvic floor training as such because obviously there's it's hard to talk in generals because everyone is individual but there is the subset of women who do too much pelvic floor who are a little bit too into it they squeeze too hard they're the ones that potentially could set themselves up for an overactive pelvic floor because they're trying too much they're squeezing 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 all day long they're not relaxing they're not giving it time to actually switch off and be flexible too but that's a topic for a whole other day <laughs> yeah i was gonna say you know what I think-
0: one day we're gonna get you back on, Laura, and we're gonna hone <laughs> in on one of these topics and yep. <laughs> dig a little bit deeper because this is good for a general overview, but there's clearly so much we can talk about specifically about things. Yes. But that's awesome. And that's actually, yeah, like, that's a great thing is that if you are still having say leakage when you're in on the tramp and things like that, like that is a clear sign that th- something's not right. Like, yes. I think that's a pretty good gauge for what we need to be doing. Perfect. All right. So another question is how should I commence pelvic floor exercises postnatally and what strength should I expect?
1: This might be a good practical one to do while we're listening. We can do our pelvic floor exercise together. When you've just had a baby, it's not about doing the longest, strongest, hardest contraction you can do. It's about just waking up the muscles. So getting the brain to talk to the pelvic floor again and go, hey, I see you, I haven't forgotten about you. I know how to work you still. And it's just about doing really gentle squeezes. So I'm talking three second hold, relax completely, repeat that five times and do that maybe twice a day. That's all it needs to be early days. Just really gently waking up the muscle, reminding it to work. And then as the weeks go on, you probably want to try and build up to then five-second hold and eventually a 10-second hold. And my goal for most women is to get to a 10-second hold. It's worthwhile trying to do some quick flicks as well, which are like a faster pelvic floor contraction, on, off, on, off. But yeah, early, early days, we're talking maybe a three-second contraction. So maybe we'll try it now. Jen, do you want to do a pelvic floor contraction with me? I would love that. (laughs) Let's do this. Considering that we're a fair bit more postpartum now, I'll set everyone up. So get in a seated position or lying down, whatever is most comfortable. Relax all your other muscles. So make sure that you're not tensing any other part of your body. Remember pelvic floor should be a secret. So no one should be able to see that you're doing your pelvic floor exercises, okay? Because it's an internal lift. Now I want you to imagine your back passage, then in front of that's the vagina, in front of that's your urethra, your front passage. Start from the back. I want you to gently squeeze around the anus. Now gently squeeze around the vagina, bring it forward. Now gently squeeze around the front passage of the urethra and now relax completely. And make sure that you didn't grimace your face, tense your tummy, tighten your butt cheeks, none of that. Let's do it one more time. Squeeze around the anus, squeeze around the vagina, pull it forward towards the urethra, keeping everything relaxed, hold it there. Now keep breathing, you should be able to talk. Keep breathing and relax. Good Jen, I couldn't tell that you were doing it. That's really
0: good because I was really concentrating so hard. And can I say that I probably haven't been doing floors properly because I'm just I probably only went through like the vagina area instead of it being that full sort of like wave contraction. So God,
1: this has been so yes. insightful for yeah. me. Zipping from the back. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. How good's that? That's
0: awesome at the start like obviously for us we can hold that longer but really it's just for women that would be a quick whip in three those three second quick squeezes like that building up to five seconds and so on and so forth and those the quick flicks as you described it yes Mm. great thank you that's really good for like everyone to have that practical talk through of that so that's awesome yes no problems all right so tell us a little bit about leaking so this question is related to is there a normal time for leaking how long is leaking after birth considered normal is it ever considered normal like what's the down low on leaking
1: leakage is never normal mm. so i think that that statement there probably sums it up but it is super common 100 percent. it is super common we know that one in three women who have ever had a baby will experience leakage so yeah. i'm a pelvic floor physio I do my pelvic floor exercises religiously and I still had some stress incontinence in both my pregnancies. So it is super common, but it is not normal. So it's a sign that either the support structures are not strong enough, whether that be the pelvic floor or the ligaments that hold the urethra up or the vaginal walls, or that the activity you're doing is too much pressure. It might be that you're vomiting, you're coughing, um, you're jumping on the trampoline, your exercise is inappropriate, but there's a discrepancy between the pressure up top and the support system down below. So if you are leaking, it is a sign that something's not quite right and you definitely need to go and seek further help from your pelvic floor physio.
0: That is really good advice because I think so many people just think that that's sort of part and parcel of it all and, and you put up with it and yeah, like there's just so many myths around what's normal and what's not. And I think that there would be lots and lots of women out there who as a result are putting up with these like, you know, leakage and, and sore backs and sore structures and all of these things all because of a weakness that's happening within the body.
1: And look, I can't promise miracles, but for the most part, everyone I see improves. You know, it's, mm-hmm. not, it's not a lost cause. Most women do improve with some super simple steps as well. I think it's a mother's issue sometime in that we put everyone else first, but we don't prioritize getting our health back on track because it is something that we just put up with. But I think it's really important to go, no, no, no. Like I am worthy of getting better and I can get better and I want to get better. And there are support services out there to help me.
0: Absolutely. And on that note, I would love for you to tell my listeners how you offer support to women in the community.
1: So I have my online program, The Pregnancy Posse, and you can find out more information on that at thepregnancyposse.com. And I just guide women from every single week of their pregnancy with safe, tailored exercises, information on pelvic floor, abdominal separation, aches and pains. We have a weekly Q&A session with myself where you can ask all these sorts of questions. And we have a wonderful community forum of other lovely mummers and loads of information on preparing for birth and recovering after birth. So that's how I'm helping women at the moment, at home, on my computer, talking to thousands of women about their pregnancy and helping them have a really, really good journey.
0: I love that. And like at the time of us filming this, it's the midst of COVID-19 and women now more than ever are needing to look for that support from online membership, that sort of portal for, for getting that support. So it's so good to know that if you're listening to this and this is going to be aired while COVID-19 is still very much an issue, that there's support out there regardless of what's going on for you there is still places to turn to help with your you know, strength and your physical health and to help you get through the pregnancy. Well, this has been awesome, Laura. So for my listeners, you've touched upon a few things on, as to where we can find you, but where do you hang out the most online and where can we track you down and stalk you?
1: <laughs> <laughs> stalk away. What's um, your address? <laughs> <laughs> Only if you send like online shopping or something. <laughs> So I am at Physiolaura on Facebook and Instagram. And like I said, if you want to find out more about The Posse, you can see that on my socials or you can go to thepregnancyposse.com. And I have a blog over at Physiolaura.com as well with heaps of information about all things pre and postnatal.
0: Oh, fantastic. Well, I'll um, link to all of that in the show notes too on my website. But a huge thank you for coming on to the Early Parenting Podcast today
1: thank you so much for having me it was fun
0: really good awesome thank you so much thanks for listening to the episode mama i hope you enjoyed it if you did make sure to share the episode with a friend with your mother's group or tag me at jen butler early parenting on instagram the more that know about this podcast the more people i can help If you're looking for support that is personalised for your babe and tailored to your family's needs, then make sure to head on over to my website, www.jenniferbutler.com.au and check out how we can work together so you can move through motherhood with confidence. Catch you in the next episode, Mama.